Welcome to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. This month, we kick off a three-part series about making space for God. For our first episode in the series, Kevin Meyer, lead pastor at Wyzetta Free Church, has a conversation with two digital natives, Chase Hedrick and Peter Webster, about how to eliminate or reduce digital sources that consume our time and replace them by being present with God and others in our life. Great. Um, Well, welcome to Conversations. Uh, We're going to be talking today about making space for God, Uh, I think, in a culture that is increasingly um, becoming uh, so technologically driven that it actually drives out meaningful space for relationships, and one of the primary ones would be with God. And I'm excited to be able to have uh, with us Chase Hedrick and Peter Webster. They are a couple of Gen Zs, I would call them, who are... Um, digital natives. They've grown up with this technology and so often I think can have even a better perspective on it than those who are not what I would call, maybe you call them digital immigrants. We've moved into it um, from another place. So Chase and Peter, glad to have you on board. Um, Any just opening words of hello or anything you want to say? Well, thanks for for having us, Kevin. I'm excited to talk about uh, digital technology and the way it it, uh, it works in our lives. Yeah, thanks for having us. I think uh, this will be good, and I hope we can welcome you to the country of digital natives. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, thank you for in- inviting uh, an old guy like me into it. Hey, it's so easy to be consumed by our desires, and there's a, a passage of Scripture where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that everything's permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything's permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. Um, and so there is a point he's just saying there is a purpose in everything that has been created. So food is to help us um, have energy to grow. Technology is obviously something that can be a good thing, but it also is something that can consume us. And so often it's not the technology, but our desires that consume us and in ways that I don't think we're even fully aware. So we're um, doing this thing at our church called uh, Making Space for God, 21 Days of Making Space. Uh, and one of the areas we want to look at is technology. And so since you guys are digital natives, I thought you would be great to talk to about this. So maybe share with us some of your thoughts around what your thoughts are with regard to being consumed by this technology. Yeah, well, I think that was an excellent start because I digital really is just like radio or TV or computers where the, the information and the content on it is really what matters. The uh, technology itself isn't necessarily good or bad. Um, but like you said, it's important to understand the content while we're using those, those products, but also understand how it consumes us. So even if it is good content, we want to make sure that that God is really in control of our lives and that God is the one that is consuming us and not these digital devices. So how you interact with it. So there's a content, which we all understand. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you could have a, you know, some people tend to have more of an addictive relationship to their, to their phone in that they might impulsively check it. And this is something that I think a problem all of us have, uh, whether it is impulsively checking emails at work because we're, we are told that we need to constantly reply and constantly stay on top of communications. Um, I, th- I think it's important for us to, to maintain a balance and thoughtfully consider what is a healthy level of interaction and what is, what, when does it start to tip into more of an addictive 
relationship and something that might crowd into other relationships in our lives, whether it's with our family, our friends, or with God. Okay, so let's just press into that just a little bit, because um, it, it is this idea that we have a choice, but just like with, with, with anger or something like that, sometimes, or, or when we become angry, we say, well, you made me do it. Well, the reality is you always have a choice, but it becomes something so quick that you don't even feel you have a choice. And what we don't realize is, um, and I found this to be fascinating, that what they're doing when they create the technology or whatever it, it may be that you're looking at Facebook or some of the other like Instagram, social media things. I didn't realize it, but the like button was something that, you know, you, you go, Oh, I like that. But I didn't realize there's some other things that are behind that whole hitting the like button. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the like button is a really interesting example because it kind of started out as just a fun way to interact with your friends. And, and I think it really started out with uh, good intentions, but it, it soon became a way for us to, for social media platforms to capture our behaviors and preferences. And there's just mountains of data that are piling up every single day, track, tracking our behaviors and all of our movements. And it gives the algorithms behind these social media platforms a lot of data to curate content based upon what has already consumed us in the past and feed us that content to continue to keep us engaged. So one way I look at it, and Peter, I'll ask you about this, and that is that um, when we talk about that, they now are saying, oh, this is what they like. And what they're almost doing is building or, or almost ripping down any walls so that they got our attention whenever they want with things that we actually like and are drawn to. Right. And so I know this is the case on Instagram, the infinite scroll, you could just go to the explore page and scroll and scroll and scroll and you wouldn't stop because there's almost this fear of oh if i don't scroll again i'm gonna miss miss out on some great post and so then you just keep going and so after 10 so you could just get to things so quickly right right i think of like a google thing i go on and i'm looking up for something and it says you get to the end of it and then you got to hit a page one or a page two um yeah. this is done as what i understand you're saying it's done in such a way that all you have to do is kind of just keep putting your finger moving it up and you can just go through things like one after another there's no pages to hit yeah i mean like chase said they already know what you want to see so yeah. they're just feeding you and you just it's it's hard to get out of that cycle of scrolling yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it started this method started on on Instagram and, and Facebook, but it's spread to our news networks. It's spread to TV. You think of, of Netflix, you just wait uh, about five seconds or so and it automatically starts the next TV show for you. Yeah. You don't even have to click on something. You can hover over it and the movie will start without you clicking on it. So and all it, of these all of these pieces here are really about reducing the decision-making that we have as individuals and instead use the platforms to guide our choices. And so when you think about Google, you're picking and choosing, the individual is choosing page two, mm -hmm. but people rarely choose page two. I mean, no <laughs> one goes on page two. But with, when, you, when you take out that choice, people yeah. end up scrolling for, for 30, 40 minutes without even thinking twice. So it's a really sneaky way. So we can even look at, let's say you're watching, 
<clears throat> something on TV. So let's go to the digital immigrants, you know, like myself, who've moved into this land. They have done on TV, such as let's say you're watching Netflix or something. The next thing that they know you like can come up and it will start within like 20 seconds. So you're really not making a choice anymore. They have removed your next step. Because if you have to go to page two, like you said, no one does because it takes an extra choice of a step. So so one of the things to really pay attention to when we talk about digital technology is to recognize um, how they begin to get your preferences and then they feed you those preferences so that it almost takes away your choice. Would that be correct? Right. So let's step back a second. Um, we talked about what is, you know, just touched on a few of those things that are happening that get us to a place where we either can't to go on a walk without taking our phone or um, you can't uh, go somewhere without checking in a moment impulsively is someone texting me something. Uh, so when we step back just and get some objectivity uh, from this onslaught of digital distractions and we're talking about kind of walking in a way where we make space for God to live like Jesus lived and he didn't have this technology, but I'm, I'm guessing he would know how to live this life and yet would in his human way have to struggle how to do that. We're saying, how do we live this kind of life that Jesus calls us to live this life in the kingdom where we're consumed by, in a sense, ruled by him rather than unwittingly being consumed by technology. So let's talk about where, where it seems to be heading today. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's a really interesting question because in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, previous digital technologies like TV or, or radio or computers, we actually had a lot more of a runway and experience with it to be able to react to it. The difference here in the last 10 years is that it's been so fast that I think everyone has been blind, blindsided by it and have been finding in their own ways to have to really reevaluate their interaction with it. And I think just now our generation after several years of interacting with social media in an unhealthy way is starting to fight back. And it, so I think this, the start really was around 13 years ago when the, the first iPhone came out, which is mm -hmm. crazy that it was that recent. Just 13 um, years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just 13 years. Give me just, just one of the things that I thought about, and it's just in the, how many, maybe let's say 20 years. Cause that might, I'm not even sure if it's this, but, iPods, um, you know, to flip phones, to iPads, to smartphones, to five TV channels, to 80 channels, to unlimited channels, um, to um, your computers with Netflix, Prime, HBO, Disney, on and on. It's amazing the rapid growth. So you said in 13 years ago, iPhone hits. Yeah, and it, it, it opened up a, a full industry where companies were interested and in fighting very competitively for our attention in any way. And this was a new phenomenon that, that I, I think really fed a lot of these unhealthy habits and a lot of these unhealthy platforms that has now spread to, to, to TV, to our traditional news media. Uh, and in this way, it, it's really become a focus on our attention. Mm -hmm. And that being the primary driver of the design of the applications, of the content on the applications, and any truth, any uh, value, valuable content actually becomes an afterthought. Hmm. So the focus on the content, whether it's on our news platforms, whether it's on Netflix or Instagram or uh, any, any other really uh, maybe a game 
on your phone or your email even, the focus is on how do we get these people to to open their emails. And if you look at a lot of the key performance indi indicators for these companies, it is all about emails opened, it is about responses, it is about time on the platform. All of these are focused really on attention. It is not about the value, co valuable content that they are posting. So that's really interesting. They want your attention. They don't care how they get it. We should be living saying, okay, what content do we need that will be helpful um, and so you have that fight going on right there. Um, I, I, I heard one of the things that social, one of the social dilemmas is that fake news travels faster six to seven times than real news. It's, it's almost like the proverb that says, you know, gossip is going to spread really quickly. You know, that idea of gossip yeah. is far more interesting often than necessarily real news. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's interesting to note that it's, this issue is bi-directional we have to as individuals choose to interact with these platforms and that's where the exciting opportunity comes in we uh, we know that we as humans are are prone to sensational news and sensational content and so that means that often fake news or uh, or games or entertaining tv shows are things that will really will really really latch onto and the truth and the valuable uh, content that god Cause, uh, calls us to interact with often takes a lot more purpose and intention on our sure. part. Sure. Which is true in any, in, in life in any way, but this seems to almost be um, on steroids. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, exactly. you've got this thing that's become so much a part of you. So let me ask this question. You guys are in your mid twenties. You're, as I said, Gen Z's um, and you're obviously the generation, my generation is so concerned about. And, and yet, it's really true. Um, and when I was sharing with you guys earlier that, you know, your parents and people old like me, we have our own issues around this. Why don't you share a little bit of your thoughts around that? Yeah, well, it started out. We're the ones on our smartphones all day, every day, because I suppose these came out when we were 10, 11, 12 years old. And we kind of grew up when technology was ramping up, spent our free time watching TV and playing video games. Um, so when a smartphone came out, we were obviously the first ones to use it. And the only people among our parents' generation that got these iPhones were the people that were working at a tech company, more the, the hip parents. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so our parents used to just get annoyed with our usage of technology because they just thought it was bringing us out of reality and into some some other world and now they realize that technology is incredibly useful let me share with you a story about my situation when my daughter was in her must have been late teens early 20s and when facebook became really um and a big thing i thought well because i you know i i want to kind of be the hip guy so I, I i got onto facebook and my daughter was horrified that i would be on facebook and now so many years later, none of you, none of these people your age are on Facebook, right? I mean, right. you can't. No one can keep up with you know it moves to Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, whatever it might be. Um, what what about um, our generation? Because it is like you said, we didn't start with it. We don't understand it as much, but I think it still has as much of a, an attention grab on us as it does on the younger generation. Yeah, well, there's so many useful things. I mean, like Facebook, for example, 
your generation is now able to share photos and and stay in touch with your college friends that are possibly around the world and before you can do that so there's there's positives that bring you into things like facebook and instagram but then you're also dealing with the negatives that yeah. chase and my generation were brought up in where you're posting and at first it was it was just to share and then then it became a like button issue where you're seeking others approval of of what you're yeah. doing and and so now it's it's not only positive but it's also sent the older generation into the same mental health and wasting time issues that uh these gen zers are dealing with so it's not just your generation the reality is that it's it's hitting all different generations and someone will be listening going i don't listen to facebook and but you know at the other side of it is i don't know you may you may get twitter feeds and and you're watching that or it could be that you're going, I don't do any of those things, but you have to have five to six different news feeds. You know what I mean? You're constantly yeah. getting a barrage. I don't care what direction. I think every generation is feeling the effects of, of grabbing attention so that you don't maybe give intention to relationships or let's say um, reading God's word or just doing things that um, like exercise or building up your, your life. Um, yeah. And I, let me, I agree with that as well in the, in the point that it may have started out on social media platforms, but any digital platform is different in that there's an accessibility, immediate accessibility component to that. And so whether it's news, whether it's TV, whether it's email, all of that has this digital inaccessibility component that I think we all need to be careful with. Okay. So let me just move it on here. And let's say someone's listening and they're going, okay, I, I'm getting to understand some of this. I mean, I felt uh, this almost a sense of this impulsive need to check my phone or, or I'm addicted to some form of technology that is beginning to take up space in their life. How do you digitally declutter your life? That's the kind of question that I think would be important to talk about what steps would you guys recommend as you, because I, I know you guys have been looking at this for the last year or so and figuring out what does it look like in your own life? How do you evaluate what you want to keep and what get rid of? And, and what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's, it's really a, a process. I think it first starts with doing kind of a digital assessment of evaluating your needs in your life and evaluating what values and what character does God want you to build in your life? What relationship does, do you want to have with God? And then you can start with that foundation and those principles to then say, go kind of line by line and, and look at the applications and say, does this value, does this add value and support my relationship with God? Or is this maybe more of a distraction or does this tend to consume me in unhealthy ways? So in, in a sense, you can actually be starting out by saying um, a kind of a different way to to phrase this would be, how do you give your phone, your TV, or any of those digital technological um, things to the Lord? Um, obviously, you don't want to just necessarily throw it away. I mean, people can't do that. Um, I had talked to one person about, um, you know, would they be interested in even giving some thoughts to this? And, and the person said, you know, I can't right now. They they work for a sports organization and they have to have some social media presence because that's just necessary for their job. So um, you, we don't want, you know, we want to connect to God, want to make more space for him and for others in our life. 
Um, so one you would say is just, you got to evaluate, you got to do this assessment of what your needs are. Um, you have to ask questions like, am I using this to escape? Is this technology fulfilling a desire? Is it something that I'm uh, intentionally seeking to do? Am I, is it inter interrupting my relationship with God or with other people and that kind of thing? Um, what else would you guys suggest? Well, I think your point on the, you know, your friend in the, in a sports world is really important one because we have to evaluate every, our needs and whether it's, you know, a work need for, to be on social media, a lot of people have that need. And so you need to evaluate how can I perform my job functions well, while also being thoughtful about my rest and my interaction on this platform. So you have to look at what is necessary for work or family or friends, and then what is not necessary. And then when we look at this at this fast, we're, we're really looking at how do we root out the unnecessary pieces for seven or 20, 21 days and, uh, and, and start there. So in one sense, um, it would be like, like seven days, I'm gonna just take a fast from this one element in my life just to see what that means. And people can think about what that would be. Or as we've said, 21 days for space for God. Part of that is to do it long enough to be able to get some freedom from it, to be able to go, how important is this to me? So you can start with just a few things, I would imagine that would probably be a way to do something like that. So let's get really practical. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, seven days or 14 days or 21 days. Um, if you really want to be kind of um, Herculean about it, 21 days of making space for God in your life by eliminating or reducing digital technology. So practically, um, what are some of the ways that that could be done? Yeah, if you, uh, one hour a day without your phone is something that's really cool because it kind of brings you back to what a crutch your phone can be. Yeah. So it, you're not, uh, not talking about one hour, like when, it, when you're sleeping, it doesn't count. No, no. <laughs> and when you're, you're at the dinner table. That doesn't count either. Just oh, wait a, a second, wait a second. In our home, my my wife will. We've done this now, and she'll say, "Let's put our phones down." I know some homes that actually put them in a box and say, "When we yeah. have dinner, there will not be a digital device anywhere near us to interrupt yep. us." Yeah. So that would be a a very practical thing. Yeah. So like, if you're just going for a quick walk, just leave your phone at home or if you're going to the grocery store quickly, just leave your phone. Um, I think most people would be anxious to yourself. even do that. Don't you think most people would be really nervous to go, I'm not going to have my phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and then as far as apps that you go on all the time, like Twitter and Instagram, just try to delete them if they're not providing you with much value. It's amazing <laughs> once you do delete them, you'll you'll find yourself scrolling on your phone and clicking where the app used to be and now instead of twitter you accidentally open up the weather channel and you're like oh wow this is just such a habit for me i don't even think about it so, so did you do that um did you actually yeah i mean did you get rid of a, a couple of those yeah yeah so i had instagram throughout high school most of college and then senior year of college i just i kind of realized that I wasn't getting many benefits out of Instagram, but a lot of, um, a lot of bad things. Uh -huh. And so, um, I just deleted it and it's, 
amazing how freeing that is. I mean, there's so many things that go along with having Instagram. I know it's different for everyone, but for me, uh, I found myself just everything I was doing, it was through the lens of would this be cool to post or sure. Uh, and so kind of bringing back to our first topic of how digital technology just consumes us. Yeah. That was something for me that was really brought into every aspect of my life. And so, so yeah. Did you go through withdrawal? Instagram. Was there like a sense of like withdrawal when you didn't have it for the first week? Honestly, not at all. It's really, it's incredible. I was, I was like, wow, I can, I can live without knowing what everyone is doing all the time. <laughs> yeah, so the interesting, really? the interesting thing is all of this, all of these things, especially social media are so wasteful and valueless that I found the same thing. I mean, Peter, Peter inspired me to delete all of my social media applications. So I've been off of them for about a year and a half and it's just, immediately because it's there's no value in them you literally you just feel freer you just feel so much better but it's the choice to delete it that's the hard part for a lot of people so what drove you to the choice to do it i mean we're trying to get people to say you know we're actually in this going to say fast from food fast from negativity and another one is digital which we're talking about uh the choice always is difficult what what led to it and how did you do it how did you have the muscle to go okay i'm gonna push that button and delete these things for me i had a couple teammates in college that didn't have any social media and at first i was like how is that even possible and then they told me about all the benefits and so i just did it and so uh for me it just took someone else doing it yeah okay yeah i agree with peter for me it was because peter chose to do it first and then he was kept talking about the benefits. I was like, all right, I guess I could try this. And so I think a, a big component of it, Kevin, is support around your family and friends to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's a re- what makes it honestly really hard for our generation to separate from social media is everyone is on it and everyone's constantly messaging you. And it's a key form of, of, uh, of interaction. So I think part of it is, is first trusting that the choice will be a good one. Mm-hmm. Knowing that the val- when you look at your values, you'll find that they actually do not support your values. The social media does not support your values. And then after that, to start to think about ways you can interact with your friends. I found myself calling my friends a lot more often and FaceTiming them. And this is something that I know a lot of other people talk about when they uh, get off social media. Because you still have the desire to connect with your friends. But when you ta- remove social media, you find yourself asking the question, how best can I connect with my friends mm-hmm. in a meaningful way? Instead of assuming that liking their photo is a true acceptable interaction. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so you um, actually disabled some programs <clears throat> and then, and then uh, I think you guys mentioned something about there's a possibility to put your phone on a do not disturb, which is a simple thing. Explain that quick. Right. So it's not, it's not a full on lock. I mean, it's just a notification that every time you open your phone, it says it's on do not disturb. So I do that every day from uh, before 6 a.m. and then after 9 p.m. So that's just a reminder for me, even though it's easily something I can override, it's just a reminder that I need to start my day with something other than my phone and end my day with something other than my phone. 
Well, that's pretty powerful because you know what we were talking about what those who are behind these technological um, devices are seeking to do is one to get your attention and to knock down the walls of choice so it becomes something that um, you know just happens and you almost don't have to do it what you are doing in that which it allows you to do is to put it like a do not disturb you're putting a wall up you're putting up a an intentional choice yeah exactly yep and and with these kevin it's the do not disturb is great i use do not disturb all the time um i've also used something that i like even more than do not disturb personally is screen time and something that's uh really impactful for me is to track just how much time i spend on applications and the screen time function on our iphones tracks just that by application how much we spend per day and per week so it's a really great way to make it very personal just how invasive these technologies are and you can build in time in the screen time app uh, in the screen time function in your settings you can choose to disable certain applications so let's say uh you're not ready to delete instagram but maybe you don't want to look at instagram until noon you can build that function in and kind of build up that wall and say before noon i will not be allowed to look at instagram okay okay i'm a, a digital immigrant i don't have i have no idea what you na native is talking about right now you're saying you can <laughs> go to settings and you can go to screen time and you can build in something on certain apps that say not till noon will this give me any alerts or anything like that so they're not dinging you or making something happen that way yep. so like non-essential stuff that's a that's a real easy do i'm not gonna let this get my attention yeah exactly and you can and it's yeah it's it's very easy to do it's it's uh it's in the settings application uh and it's you can actually even prevent your access into the app. So not only prevent notifications, but also prevent any usage on that app during certain times. Okay. Anything else, Yun? any other examples? Or I, I, I have another question that I'd love to ask you. Well, I actually, so one thing that I've done in the probably about six months ago was actually uh, move to an sort of an iPod setup during the day. I found myself just like we're talking about barriers. I found myself needing the highest barrier in order for my for me to really be disconnected from email, from uh, texts, from any sort of news sources that I didn't want during the day, during the workday. And so I actually have a old phone that I used and you can pick up one from eBay for 50 to 100 bucks. And I just use it only for for podcasts, for uh, for for podcasts, for alarms in my phone, so I don't have to go to sleep with my phone. And I use it for books. And that's a way to say I'm putting away my phone, so I physically cannot access anything other than what I've decided is already valuable. Oh. So that's a, that's another thing that a person could practically do if they want to declutter their life digitally and just kind of go with what they think might be essentials. Um, let's, you know, this framework to evaluate your needs uh, on how digital use impacts your life and how we can practically implement it was, um, I think is gonna be really helpful for people who are thinking of seven days. In fact, even myself <clears throat> talking to you guys gives me some ideas of how I wanna do this. Um, how would you recommend though, if people do this for a period of time and how do you recommend 
maybe building some things back in because that's always the you know people go on diets and then you know they're not in sweets and then all of a sudden they're back to eating all kinds of sweets again what's what's your thoughts around that well it's really about taking a look at your your usage of your phone or your email or whatever it is and think about how to thoughtfully integrate it so you've let's say you've done the 7 day fast or the 21 day fast and you've taken out a couple applications, it's giving you a great basis and feeling for what the value is of reducing this type of digital device usage. And now it gives you the foundation to assess what applications or what TV shows or what, what uh, news sources are really adding value to my life, what is building the character that God has called me to have, and what is not. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, and um, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, is this might just a uh, gaming's a huge thing with regard to digital technology, right? Um, and 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 it's not just again Gen Zs or millennials. This is all ages. What's what's your thoughts around that? Because that can take up lots of time. Yeah, I think it's gaming is interesting where they, if you look at the video games, the more complex they get and the more technologies capabilities increase, they actually start to create an alternate reality. And I think that's where people need to really be careful because we can see our desires and our identity start to transform into the game that we are playing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, it's it really it sounds crazy and it sounds foreign, but the the reality is that these games can can uh, be an another root in our identity and transform our identity when we are called to have our identity in Christ, mm-hmm. and this can be a, a huge distraction for us. So I I really uh, I I really am careful about um, playing games. I personally do not play any games, but I think uh, for, for teenagers, it can be really hard to, to go to that extreme, but I would really consider, I strongly encourage them to reduce their game usage. Yeah. Yeah. So you're building it back in. Um, you look at technology that's built for a purpose and say, okay, is this going to be purposeful, helpful? As, as Paul says, everything's beneficial. Is this going to be beneficial for me or is it going to consume me? That, that's probably a key question in that and how do you how do you move from what's beneficial to not being consumed um, as you build it back give me just a, a couple sentences i'm i didn't prepare you for this but a couple sentences that you would like to just kind of say to people who may be listening around this topic yeah i think the most important thing is knowing that technology is going to be with us for the rest of our lives and it's just going to get more and more advanced and so realizing the impact that it already has and like we've been talking about, just setting parameters for use and uh, just making sure we're, we're aware of the negatives that it can have on us. So um, yeah, just understanding that and then taking actionable items to distance yourself from the digital distractions. Yeah. Chase, anything else? Yeah, well, I I think it starts, I agree with Peter, I think it starts with becoming aware of how this impacts us and also having an appreciation for the fact that every platform 
whether it's on our phones or on our computers, our email or TV is really rooted in looking at our attention and grabbing our attention first. And so when that happens, we can start to say, okay, we can identify the strategies they're, they're using and say, okay, this is actually a grab for my attention. And it is not something that will build up my character and build up my skill set or support the life that I'm having. Yeah. So the, the, the appreciation for the attention that, that these platforms are trying to grab is important to then say, how can I take back my attention? How can I build my choice and design my environment, digital environment, to have my individual choice in it. So a way to actually phrase this, um, 21 days of making space for God could really be 21 days of giving my attention to the kind of life that God wants me to live so that I'm more fully in relationship with him and giving attention to him and more fully in relationship with others around me and giving attention in a ways that would be intentional and appropriate. So you guys have um, have helped walk me through a land that you've grown up in. And I think um, it's kind of like in the beginning of stages of, uh, of the founding of America, as they started to push west, we might be only through the Ohio Valley, so to speak. And there's a whole lot more before we get to the coast that it will be coming technologically. So we might as well kind of be aware of what it's time to take our attention now and maybe take a step. So maybe for some people, seven days, 14 days, 21 days of giving attention to God and not attention to others who are trying to grab it might be a great thing. So thanks so much for uh, being a part of this. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.